All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Media Gel podcast, where we cover the latest marketing trends and strategies that are most effective in growing your cannabis dispensary, delivery service, or brand. Uh, Media Gel, we connect cannabis brands and retailers with cannabis consumers through our ad network of mainstream publishers, mobile apps, games, and TV. We help cannabis companies advertise on Google, support an SEO, and activate data with display advertising to support e-commerce sales. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo, and today we'll be discussing cannabis MSO marketing, scaling a multi, multi-location dispensary marketing strategy. I'm really excited to introduce Mike Bibby. Mike is the former VP of marketing at Ethos Cannabis. Uh, he's currently open to new opportunities, and he brings 15-plus years of digital marketing and demand generation experience to today's podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to yeah, be here. Nice to see you. How's everything? Everything's going good. Everything's going yeah. good. I, I, I really enjoy your, your podcast. I feel like I've, I've learned something <laughs> from every one of them, so I'm excited to be included me. This is going to be fun. Um, I'm really excited to have you on. You have a breadth of knowledge and, uh, you know, really excited to share it with our audience. So let's start from the top. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm a primarily consumer marketer, um, been able to work across, you know, several different product categories ranging from, uh, you know, home furnishings where I got my start to chocolate and gourmet food gifts, uh, spent several years in licensed sports products, and then the last two years in, in cannabis. So uh, it's been, uh, been a fun journey. My deep experience in uh, digital and e-commerce, that's kind of where I, I cut my teeth, but uh, also have some, some B2B projects in there, as well as some, some branding and brand development. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's my, back, my, my quick background. Nice. Yeah, you have a breadth of experience, and uh, I really enjoyed working with you on the Ethos campaign for you know, a couple of years. Uh, you know, did you always want to be a VP of sales? Um, or be, VP no. of marketing and be in the marketing space? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Not not specifically. You know, I, I kind of just trended there. You know, I was, uh, you know, I'm a problem solver. Um, you know, so I, I got into, I kind of got into marketing. I was one of the first, going way back, um, kind of migration from digital into marketing leadership. Um, and we're starting to see that come around more, more and more these days. But, you know, I did it, you know, 15 plus years ago um, where I was working in website development and e-commerce and building sites and so forth. And, um, you know, finally got the opportunity to, to really actually lead a business and, and, and realize that the, the biggest challenge was, you know, finding customers and making connections with customers and, and just um, really found a, a, a nice connection there and something that I, um, uh, really leaned into. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I went back and got my uh, my MBA um, at one point, and, and felt like I needed to have needed a major in marketing to have that kind of that Kellogg marketing stamp on my resume. But um, mm. when I was taking classes, I actually took the minimum number of marketing classes that I needed to get that major, and took a lot of um, finance, entrepreneurship, operations classes. So I felt like I needed that background to be able to really succeed and, and communicate with the, the manufacturing and supply chain teams, the, the finance team, most importantly, understand how they were looking at the business, how investors look at the business. So uh, really, I, I kind of think of myself as a business leader, but uh, have, have really you know, been drawn to you know, making connections with, with consumers and the, and the marketing function in particular. Yeah, and it's that experience with you know catalogs and getting your masters. Like, how much of that do you use in you know your your day to days in your marketing roles now? Oh, a, a lot of it. A yeah. lot of it. The um, you know what I've I've found is is in, in in moving into cannabis is the the kind of the core you know functions strategies marketing um, in general is is the same. It's it's the same across product categories. Uh, obviously, cannabis has its own challenges with with regulations and, and, you know, business issues and so forth. Uh, but a lot of the, the core stuff is there. It's, and it's, it's been kind of exciting and challenging to, to figure out how do we, how do we overcome some of those roadblocks? How do we, how do we work around, get over them? Where do we need to just be patient and wait for things to mature? Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, cannabis is, is different. It's unique, unique in a, in a business um, compared to any, any other e-commerce or retail business that I've worked in. Um, but uh, you know, the, a lot of the, 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 the foundational stuff is, is the same and, and, and can be used across industries. And, and what drew you to the cannabis space in the, in the first place? Like what, why did you join? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was recruited in, uh, I had a, a okay. friend of mine who, um, had, had, had started one of the, 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 the big MSOs, you know, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, he left there and, and was, was, uh, working on his second company and, uh, called me up and said, Hey, I'm, 
start a new company. I need some marketing help. Do you, do you, do you want to talk? And I wasn't necessarily interested at the, at the time, but said, you know what, I really respect him. Let me hear what he's got to maybe, maybe I know somebody I can um, you know, refer in. But, um, you know, once he, he started talking to, to me about how, you know, what he had learned in his, his previous experience and, and how he had was looking at the cannabis market and how he wanted to build this, this company, um, I, I was really, really drawn in. You know, he, we talked through there's, you know, um, kind of two ends of the spectrum on cannabis businesses. There's the, the, the uh, traditional kind of growers, cultivators, the, the, the cannabis enthusiasts that are, uh, you know, they're very passionate about the product, they're passionate about legalization, advocacy, they're excited to be in the business, um, but may not be really sophisticated business operators. Um, and so there's, there's some challenges there. On the other end of the spectrum, there's the, the, uh, the, the finance people are seeing the dollar signs. They're, they're trying to, to, to make money quickly, right? They want to gather up as many licenses as they can, you know, big footprint, build something they can flip and make, make a bunch of money. And what we talked through is, is, you know, this company was going to do something in the middle. We're going to build a, a sustainable, profitable company. We're going to bring in people with expertise from outside the cannabis industry and, and pair them with the cannabis experts that we have and build something that can be profitable, sustainable over time. And if, if we can do that and, and, and grow strategically, then, then we'll have all kinds of exit opportunities. We're not going to be reliant on, on some of the, 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 the financial um, exits and so forth, but we should have plenty of, of opportunities. And you combine that with what this company was doing with uh, real medical research, you know, partnered with a, 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 a research institution in, in Philadelphia. We're actually, you know, working with doctors and doing research to support, put, put data and, and, and real numbers behind some of the, the effects of cannabis that, that, are, that are kind of support the, this, this, the, the art and the, the, the lore around cannabis and, uh, historically. So kind of the combination of those two, the, the research aspect plus the kind of building a sustainable company really, really resonated with me. I said, yeah, well, let's, let's, let's do this. I, I guess the third piece there is it was startup and I kind of enjoyed yeah. building things. Uh, you know, let's, let's figure out how we can get this from, from, from zero to, you know, hundred million dollars as quickly as we can. So um, just, it was, it was, I'm glad I took the leap. It's been, it's been yeah. a, a fun ride the last couple of years. We've done some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, watched the evolution of, of you and, in the company and, uh, you know, it's, it's really been a joy to, to work with you and just, you know, really be innovative with all the marketing strategies. And I'm really excited to share everything that we've yeah. you know, worked, worked with and, and worked through over the past uh, few years. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be an incredible uh, session today. Uh, it's yeah, you, you wear many hats. Let's just say that that's an understatement. <laughs> a lot to do when you're starting up a company, right? There's all kinds of things need to, need to take place. And, uh, exactly. Exactly. And I, I know that, you know, at ethos, we went through you know, successful mergers and acquisitions and it's a mountain, it's a mountain of work on its own. And we've, we've covered M and A's in the previous webinar. So let's set the stage, uh, you know, like what are the steps that business should take? Um, you know, once an acquisition is complete, you know, how do you fold a new location in your brand, um, both on the ground and online? You know, I know Ethos, uh, you know, uh, Ethos did a lot of uh, acquisitions and rebrands. So this is going to be a great, uh, great lesson for our audience. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first lesson is, is um, you know, come up with a plan and <clears throat> don't do it all at once. You know, go, go in steps, right? Um you know, if you're, you're acquiring a, a new dispensary that's got an existing customer base, for example, there's going to be some, some questions. Some, there's, there's, you might be scared. There's some anxiety. What's, what's changing? And, and you know, there's, uh, it's just an unsettling for uh, customers, employees, lots of people involved. Uh, so, the, uh, you know, what I found is, is the, the most important point is to, um, to let people know there's a change and reinforce the good stuff that's going to continue. Um, you know, maybe you have the, the same people are going to be there. People like to know that, hey, they're, the butt tender they have a relationship is, is, is still going to be there. So if you got good people, make sure this, the same people are there. Tell, tell your, your customers that, you know, maybe you got the same products, same prices, same promotions, the, the stuff that's real core. I mean, if that stuff isn't changing, you know, reinforce that. Tell, tell your customers, hey, uh, new name, same, same great service, same product, same price, that, that type of thing. Um, you know, there, there'll be stages. You want to, you know, take over business. You don't want to change everything, change the sign on the door and, and, and all the brand immediately, but kind of work it in over time and, and, and build a plan around that because it doesn't happen overnight. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's construction, there's, there's uh, you know, setup and integration of, of systems and so forth. It's stuff that takes a lot of time. But, uh, you know, once you, you can 
reassure people that, that the good stuff is still there, then, then you start to layer in your own brand message. And then what are the new things that are coming? Maybe, you know, maybe you got better um, buying power and you got better pricing. That, that's, a, that's a great selling point. Someone got, got better pricing, right? Um, maybe you've got this research component, you got some educational component that you can layer in that's, that's, that's nice and, and uh, good for, for customers to know. Uh, maybe you're changing the hours. There's there's uh, you know situations where we come in and we we able to add another day of the week or add a couple hours in a day, and those that, that's that's good good information uh, for, mm -hmm. for customers to have and, and to help kind of build that relationship. So kind of reinforcing the, what's what's the same, starting to layer in your your additional um, uh, value points and get people comfortable with with your brand. Those those are the really the the important pieces that I see from a, a marketing and messaging standpoint. Obviously, there's a lot of details under there that we, we can get into if you if you'd like to in terms of you know, systems integration and messaging integration and website yeah. integration and all that type of stuff. Well, let's, let's talk about the, the website, you know, you know, what's the best way to absorb, you know, another, another retailer's website, SEO rankings, et cetera, and capitalize on the rankings and, and really transfer over that domain authority. Yeah, that's, that's super important piece that um, yeah. a, a lot of people in the MMA um, part of the business don't understand is, is the, the value of that digital experience and, and how important that is in, in cannabis in particular. Um, and, you know, what happens if, if your website goes away or your, your SEO ranking goes, goes away, that's, that's critically important stuff. So, and unfortunately, I've been able to have partners like yourself that we lean on to help us kind of work through that um, and understand, okay, we're, we're going to need to, to negotiate into the deal, you know, 301 redirects on the website. So that, that yeah. website juice that's there, the SEO juice is transfers over to, uh, to your new domain. Um, if you're acquiring domain, you've got a little bit more flexibility. If you're carving it out, uh, if somebody else has been through both of those and, and uh, they're kind of independent challenges there. But um, critically important, and again, to do it in, in steps. Um, you know, yeah. last thing you want to do is just, just make a, a cut and, and the website that people were used to going to or how they're finding is no longer there and they're, they're uh, in the lurch. So, you know, finding a way to do redirects, you know, again, communicating, yeah. hey, same, same service, different name, um, kind of that, that communication point that goes through there. Um, but, you know, you want those, you, you want to make sure you negotiate those redirects for a certain period of time, you know, 90 days at the minimum, you can get six months, even better, the longer time period that you, you can um, to, to keep that juice flowing. Eventually, you know, the, the traffic will move to your site and you can you do away with those. But, uh, you know, last thing you want to do is, is take those off the plate too early and uh, you just you don't get that, that traffic back. Yeah, just really have a transition plan a plan in place, you know, whether it's 90 days or, or six months. And, you know, on the old side, maybe have a notification, you know, this company is now ethos and uh, have that message on there for a little time. And then as the transition kind of takes place, then you can add the, some of the redirects. You don't have to do the whole website. And then once, you know, once you once you really want to sunset the the old brand, then you can do that full redirect of the whole domain and and really you, know, you you've given enough time and you've notified people through you know email through sms through your advertising that hey you know this company is now etho so it's all part of that um it's our part of that uh, rebranding strategy <clears throat> we had one uh we had one takeover where we were carving dispensaries out of, a, of another mso so we weren't able to, to take over the domain we were able mm. to negotiate um location-based links so they left the locations in their location navigation for, for a while. And once a customer clicked on that, it came to us instead of their site. Uh, that's where the, the messaging is critically important. Hey, I was on one site and now I'm on another, what happened? Um, but uh, what was nice in that instance is we, we were able to negotiate the, um, the redirect of those links in the navigation. And then the 301 redirects on the actual dispensary pages for an extended period of time. So at some point, the, the links in the navigation dropped down, but there were still pages that were indexed in, in Google that um, you know, were on that other, the older domain that we were able to get redirected for, for another six months. So uh, that, was, that was very helpful to kind of keep the flow, make sure that the people were, were getting to the right place when they were searching for a dispensary near me, for example. Yeah, I can't emphasize it anymore. Is like SEO really is the number one marketing channel that you should be using as a cannabis retailer by a, by a long shot. <laughs> uh, so you really want to take that serious when you're, especially when you're acquiring digital assets. Like a lot of people, they don't know the value of SEO and and really uh, dominating for that city or uh, you know region. Yep. Uh, so really take that into consideration when you're negotiating some of these deals on the on the M and A side and. And when you're rebranding and, and really um, trying to move forward yep. uh, on the rebranding side, you know, if you're rebranding a dispensary that's been in operation for some time, like what things should you consider before implementing the new strategy? 
Uh, again, having, having a plan uh, on right. the timing, go, go in stages, um, you know, initial signage, com communicating the, the, the change, you know, have a plan for when we're going to actually change the logo on the door, for example, um, you know, all of the, you know, we did a good job with kind of some intermediate signage and, and uh, pamphlets, handouts that we could would give the customers so they, they would be able to make the connection, remember our name, the, the new name there. Um, but then, you know, once you, you build that plan, and you, you actually kind of define the date, here's when we're going to actually change over, you want to plan an event, make it a celebration, uh, you know, name change event, new name, same, same service, new name, but, um, you know, use, use all your kind of event marketing toolkits, you know, the, whether you, some areas you can have the, the food truck and the, and the music playing in the parking lot, you can have your vendors for their pop-ups over, uh, but to make it a celebration so people can come and have fun, they can buy their product, they can also interact with, uh, with uh, you know, product vendors and suppliers and so forth. So really make it, make a, it's a, it's a grand reopening, if you will. You've got a, a, a reason to get people excited to come in and, and, and see the new stuff. So uh, that's, that's a, a great way to, to really celebrate and, and to, to, to draw customers in we we change that brand. Yeah, it's a huge milestone. You want to make sure that you really engage the local community, right? Because most of these stores, whether you're in a metropolitan area uh, or a rural area, like they, you really need to engage with your, your community and, and make sure that you're sharing that message and, and really just enforcing that, uh, you know, you're new, but, you know, still, still some of the same, um, but we're going to have this much more resources or products available. You know, as you said, the, the price points will be more favorable for, for patients. So uh, there's a lot of advantages on that front. And, you know, you have to remember that I mean, dispensaries really behave, they're, they're like digital e-commerce businesses. Like, you know, a majority of the orders are placed online uh, through their phone. So that's what customers expect and really using a, an event to, to launch that in, in, educate customers and like, Hey, this is, this is the new brand. This is the new experience and make sure that they're comfortable with it and, and really train them. And, you know, whether it's the new, the first three months, six months, uh, yeah. Companies that retailers that are sophisticated, they, like, it's a different experience than uh, someone that doesn't know what they're doing in retail. Right? You know, it's, it's, people will come to me and say, Hey, you've been in cannabis. How's it different than, than everything else you've done? How's it different from, from other retail? And, uh, you know, in addition to the regulatory kind of hurdles that we, we talked about earlier, um, the way I tell people is, is it's, um, it behaves very much in a, like a digital business, e-commerce business. Yeah. So yeah. very high percentage, you know, we, we, we had, you know, over 85% of orders being placed online before a customer gets to a dispensary. So yeah. uh, it behaves just very, very digital in, in nature. Um, but what's so different than any other e-commerce business, even other retail people doing uh, in retail doing buy online pickup in store that's that's a popular channel but uh in cannabis and I, i'll leave delivery services on the side because they're, they're small at this point okay, so leaving that aside you know 100 of those transactions actually have to come to the store they have to talk to somebody they have to pick up their product have to to pay you know use cash in a lot of, a lot of instances so you got this this unique combination of the the blend of the digital and in-store experience that really need to be in sync much more than any other e-commerce or retail business that I've worked with in the past. And uh, so it's, I mean, it, it's, it's exciting that way. It's, uh, it's different, but they, they got to be in sync. You got to, people are going to ask questions about what they saw online or they saw it in your, your digital marketing, your emails or your texts and so forth. They're going to come to the store and they're going to ask. So your, your in-store people need to be in sync with, with, you know, with, with that message again is to be able to support that and, and uh, enhance it. So, it's uh, it, it's different. You know, there's there's people I've met in cannabis that, that think really yeah. just they're they're fo so focused on the, the the brick and mortar, the, the store retail, and don't and don't have that digital component. Um, and uh, you know, it's a that's an opportunity missed if you're not really fully engaged on the digital side. Hundred percent. I mean, when I was first getting starting out in uh, Washington State, uh, you know, some of the the top partners that we had, like Havahar, they had I think it was ninety five percent of all their orders were online and. You know, all they, they the way that they set their store up initially was different when you know when we were actually working with them. Like they just they wanted to make sure that people can get in and out as fast as possible. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if they needed to to make changes to the order, that was fine. But they were just they had a, the pickup line, which is you know seventy five percent of the store, and they were just having people in and out. And they were doing you know upwards of one point five million you know in online revenue a month. So yeah. You know, it works. <laughs> it, it, it definitely does. And I mean, that's, that's a challenge. If you've got, you know, that high percentage of your customers that are in and out, um, you know, you need to set up your retail experience so you can service those people. You want to give them the in and out that they want 
Yeah. So how can you find ways to, uh, you know, interrupt them in a positive manner? You know, you don't want to roadblock that by any means, but, um, you know, whether you're featuring new products or new sales or, or um, some other conversation points, how can you interrupt that customer and, and, and get them to, to, to pause a minute? You know, maybe they're adding on to the order. Maybe they're up, upsizing their orders and changing some things there. But, um, you know, you've got that, that in and out customer you got a service, but can you, can you continue to, to uh, build a relationship with those people more than just that, that initial transaction? At the same time, you'll have some people who want to shop. They want to discover, um, you know, it's, it's challenging. Product discovery is challenging in, in store these days in cannabis, but uh, I think it's going to change over time as, as you know, brands become more prevalent and, and uh, yeah. differentiated products become more, more prevalent. But uh, yeah, it's really, really unique. It's a like cannabis. You search for a dispensary or delivery service, then you search for a product on the stores. Uh, whereas in like traditional markets, you look for the brand and then you can order that either directly um, from there or you'll find a you know, shopping cart or a local store. So it's, it's going to reverse <laughs> in that sense. Uh, we, have, we do have a question from the audience. Uh, Jeremy Johnson asks, you know, if you're acquiring a new location uh, that has a different point of sale system, e-commerce platform, what are some of the best practices to keep in mind when merging them into the platform you're using? Um, wow, best practices are tough though. That's that's a it's a tough situation. Unfortunately, yeah. it's, it's a common situation. Um, yeah. There's and, and then we could go into the you know the, the the specialized POS systems that are cannabis specific and and you know the challenges with with that as well. Um, I mean, I, I, ideally, as a as an MSO, as an think of an enterprise, you want to have everybody on the same platforms. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Do that. Um, so you have to have to deal with what what you've got. The, the more that you can standardize, the better. Um, and one of the things that we were able to do is is um, basically build a, a, a data warehouse where we were extracting that information from the the different POSs and, okay. and the e-commerce systems, blending in you know Google Analytics data, for example. And uh, so, so having a kind of a, a, a marketing data warehouse where we can analyze stuff across. All of those wow. those systems, but we had to abstract it. Otherwise, you were you know running reports in multiple systems and trying to export and consolidate yeah. data. So so that was a, kind of a, a key piece for us is to be able to, to to build that system that could take the data exports from those various platforms and, and and pull them into something where we could use and we can understand customer behavior and, and retention and so forth and, and kind of build marketing off of that. Um, so yeah, the best practice is you want to be on the you, you want to consolidate as much as you can. Um, there's instances where you have state regulations that are specifying which systems you can use, and, and that's not a, a a path that you can follow. So you got to find the right workarounds. And another one of those cannabis challenges, if you will. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of unique challenges. I mean, there's you know, e-commerce companies that are only built for for cannabis. Same thing with point of sale systems. Uh, so the technology stack can be quite challenging, especially when you're across you know three plus states. Um, but you know, how, I'm really interested in the, in the, the data warehouse that you, that you build, like how, how long did that, that take to build and you know, like, how crucial was that in the, in the kind of expansion and, and growth of the, the business? It, it took, it took a long time. Um, yeah. well, I, I, I don't remember. Yes. You know, six months at the minimum, I think, um, okay. you're looking at. And, and part of the problem is, is, you know, just your scope, you got to really define that scope. Um, and, and we got a situation where, you know, you get too much going on and trying to do too much and nothing gets done for a long time. So we have to refine it. Like, okay, here's what's, here's the steps and here's what needs to come first and, and what are the mission critical pieces. Um, so it can take a long time. Um, you want to get a good you know, data partner that understands, you know, we were on a, a Microsoft Azure um, uh, data platform. I've worked in other companies where it's been, you know, open source, um, tools, but you know, somebody who knows that the concept is, okay, we need a data lake ability to query that data, um, analyze that data, and then we need a, um, a, um, a, a display reporting front end to put on top of that on the, on the front. So, you know, Microsoft Power BI, MicroStrategy Tableau, those are the types of, of tools that are, are, are the top layer, but you don't want to start there. You want to make sure you're, you got to get your data and your events and, and, and your, your attributes in, in place. So it's, it's very important to have the, the find a good data warehouse partner that has solved kind of those, those solutions in, in uh, uh, those, those problems in, in other industries and, and can apply that to what you've got. But once you get that, then, then you can look at your metrics the same way across, you know, individual locations, regions, states, and so forth. It helps you really understand, okay, here's, here's some things that are working good here. How can we, we, we take those and, 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 and you know, amplify them into other markets or, um, you know, 
you have to understand in, in, in retail is so location-based that yeah. things that work in one area may not work in another. And we've seen that across all kinds of different channels and activities. Yeah. Um, so it's it's part of the the, the marketing, you know, uh, puzzle is okay. Which are the pieces that are going to work, and how do we how do we put those in? Let's let's test and, and see what works and what doesn't work. And if it's not working, let's let's not spin our wheels or invest in that. Spend a little bit of time to figure out if there's things that we can tweak and improve. But you know, maybe we go a different direction. We go, you know, um, more. We, maybe we need more Google Ads in, in certain locations. Maybe we need less less Google Ads in, in, in certain locations. Maybe we need to lean into programmatic more in, in, in various locations. So there's there's differences there. But once you have this framework where you can see it all together, it helps you you know, compare and make sure that you're comfortable that you got apples to apples comparison across locations and regions. Yeah, and just be sure that you're out, you're out there A-B testing all the time, um, whether it's marketing tactics or locations, like, yeah, like you yeah. said, the, the marketing mix changes depending on which location. And um, there's a lot of factors that come into play on that front. I mean, whether yeah. it's metropolitan, uh, rural, just depends on the state, uh, depends on parking spots, dri driving trap proximity to highways. Like there's all these factors that come into play, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> part, of the, it, part of the challenge, part of the fun. Figure yeah. It keeps it exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more uh, about a like new store and you know, how will that inform your overall marketing strategy in terms of you know, what percentage of your marketing budget is going uh, to that new location? Yeah, new stores are always uh, interesting. You, yeah. you don't know what to expect. Um, they, um, you, you know, they behave differently. It's it's so location specific. Uh, things you mentioned, you know, do you have good parking? Do you uh, good parking access? Do you have access for major thoroughfares? Or are you in an urban area where it's primarily walking traffic? How is that? Yeah. that, that going to be different? And um, you know, so once you get large organization, you can kind of take those learnings and and, and place those into your expectations. You know, you may yeah. have another location that's in a uh, maybe not a, a rural environment, but a less congested area, less competition, more people traveling, and um, you've got different opportunities there. You can you can have a, a much broader you know radius to do your geotargeting, for example. In an urban environment, it's 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 very small. You're, you may have more competition, but just in an urban environment, your your ability people are not going to drive ten miles, twenty miles to get to your location. In a rural yeah. area, they may be passing by, um, or they it's a destination. They have to because that's that's the the location there. So um, each one you got to think about different. What what are the factors there? Um, and uh, you know, again, you got to you, you got to try everything. You know, make sure you get your full kind of playbook, all of your marketing channels, everything you're that's working other places, and let's try them all in this location. We don't know for sure which is going to work, which is not going to work out of the gate. Um, you know, I like to heavy up the marketing budget. You know, you can look at the performance at other locations. Okay, here's over time as it gets to scale, you know, our spend is going to be X percent of revenue, for example, or maybe in your business, it may be, you know, X thousand dollars per month per dispensary and so forth. Um, in in a, a startup, you want to kind of lean into that a little bit. You want to make sure that you've got awareness out of the gate. You know, you're, you're going to be spending more. You're going to, you want to make sure that you get people to know it takes a little while to build that organic traffic, to build that SEO, to, to um, you know, build the recognizability. So if you can lean into that with some, some additional digital, you know, you guys are great with us trying to, to kind of build a funnel ahead of time, you know, getting out ahead before months before we were open, starting to do uh, the, the SEO work, starting to do even, even some initial, um, you know, paid advertising to start to build a list that we can then market to you know, as soon as that store opens. Um, so you know, getting ahead, staying, staying ahead, start to sort of build that plan, you know, level up, lean into it a little bit as you get started. You can, you can back down if you need to, or if it's successful and your revenue goes up, you know, you, you continue to, to, uh, to, to build that. But, you know, your, your first uh, few weeks for sure, maybe in a couple of months, your, your spend to revenue ratio should be higher in that new, uh, that new store than it is with an existing store. No, exactly. And like, how, how much time do you usually give before you, you know, make changes to that marketing campaign? Like, you, like a month, three months, six months, like how long do you, do you give? That's where you got to be in sync with your, your CFO. Yeah. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> you no. Okay. Here's, here's what we're expecting. Um, and you know, we're expecting to spend more. So you, we just need to be in sync that our, our ratios, our, our metrics are going to be different for a certain period of time. And, uh, you know, some CFOs are going to be patient on that. They're going to say, yeah, let's, that, that makes sense. Let's give this six months to, to ramp up. And then, and then we'll, we'll really start to, to drill in. Other times it's, it's, it's a couple of weeks and, and uh, wow. I think you're not going well and, and people start to panic and so forth. Uh, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that you got you to gotta plant the seeds and let them grow. Um, yeah. You know, very rarely, you, you may run into, we, we saw a couple instances where it just popped, right? We just had a yeah. good location, 
there was no competition. People were starved. Um, we got the message out right, and and it and it jumped, and it was it was great from the get go. Yeah. That's unusual. That's that didn't happen very often. More than not, more often than not, there was some some slow growth that needed time to build. So um, you need to work with your 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 leadership and, and kind of set those expectations. And, and you know, we're going to be patient. We're going to be patient for a month or two months, um, and and then at that point, if things aren't working, then we'll we'll figure out what we need to change. How can we how can we do things differently in that location? Yeah, and then pre-launch is key. And this is something that you know, a lot of retailers aren't doing is like, you, know, you can market for a, a quarter before the store opens and have a list of 2000 plus customers that are ready to shop at your store. And there's nothing better than having that list ready to go for the for a grand opening and really just knocking out of the park and setting your, bread, your brand presence uh, in that location, in that city. And, you know, investors, uh, the owners, the execs, everyone's going to be happy when there's a line around the store. <laughs> exactly. exactly. This is like really, really setting the, you know, really setting the pace uh, for that location. Yeah. The, the challenge there you got to deal with is, is scheduling those openings is tough. Um, yeah. I mean, it's tough in retail and in construction in general, but then when you layer in the, the inspections that you have to have for different, um, you know, governmental groups and, and cannabis, um, it very rarely happens on time. Uh, so just keep that in mind. We love to, to say, okay, we're going to start now and, and it's going to give us, you know, eight weeks lead time or, or 12 weeks lead time before the open. Um, you know, oftentimes it, it stretches out. So um, you know, particularly if you're going to go out and spend money initially, again, you got this conversation you need to have with your CFO. We're, we're, we're spending based on this schedule. If that yeah. slips, you know, we're going to keep in touch and, 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 and figure out, okay, do we need to back off? Is it slipped? farther than we want to spend, or are we okay with a couple week delay? We're going to go ahead and, and continue to advertise up until that point. Um, so again, good, good communications. You, you'd love to have it. And when everything works well, you got a good list and you, you hit the ground running. Um, that's, that's the, that's the way to do it. Unfortunately, it just business challenges. It, uh, it very rarely happens on schedule. Yeah. And you made some great points about the difference between, you know, urban locations versus rural and, you know, just thinking about a rural location, you know, the, the radius that you'd want to target could be 20, 30 miles, depending on, uh, you know, how far it is uh, from any you know, major city. So the marketing messaging may be different too. It's like drive in to pick up your order or come visit us where, uh, you know, if you're in an urban location, maybe the proximity is only a mile to three miles and we'll be targeting, uh, you know, different public transportation, you know, whether it's subways and, in Boston or, you know, buses or um, what else? Like, uh, like tourist attractions, landmarks, all those different things that are maybe, maybe around an urban location. Like you have to take all those into consideration when you're actually, when you're launching these new stores. And like, it's, it's a completely different uh, marketing strategy. And, you know, one is wide reach. And I know that we're, we uh, targeted freeways uh, for some of the rural locations, like high traffic freeways. Those did really well for us. Uh, I recall. Yeah, uh, we, did, uh, we had one in, uh, in in Massachusetts where it was um, a rural location, but yeah. a very high traffic, you know, thoroughfare went right by yeah. there. Um, and the challenge that we found is that that thoroughfare didn't allow billboard advertising. So I would love it. Would have been a perfect spot to put up a huge billboard ex exit here cannabis dispensary and unfortunately we just weren't able to do that so um yeah. you know, did some some digital geotargeting people who are driving by let's see if we can find them online in a, in a pro programmatic space and so forth yeah i mean what's it you know from from all the campaigns that you've ran uh, you know like what should be that digital marketing mix and like what does that look like um i you know the way i think about it is you want you want a a pie chart that has lots of pieces to the pie uh, yeah. on, a, on a weekly, monthly basis, you know, look at, okay, what are the sources of revenue? What are the sources of traffic? Yeah. And um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating when you see like half of that is coming from one channel. I mean, you're, you're, you're at risk that way. Um, yeah. and, and that will happen a lot. Actually, if you look at the, the source domain, for example, it's not uncommon to find that Google drives half of your online traffic. It could be, could be more than half of that traffic. Um, but if you get your analytics in place, you can actually break that down and, and, and tell the difference between SEO, organic search, from paid search, from business listings. You know, at some point we'll be able to do product listings, paid product listings on Google. But there's, there's several other components you need to manage that individually. Yeah. So you got lots of, of Google components. You know, you've got your um, directories, the, the Canvas directories, weed maps, 
Leafly, you know, go into the, the, the smaller ones. We, we had actually real good success with things like pot guide outperforming Leafly mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, you know, where's weed there's, there's a bunch of those. So, you know, they're, they're, they're so inexpensive. You gotta, you gotta try and test them all and, and put your analytics in place. So you know, the performance there, um, you know, both email and SMS critically important. Mm-hmm. Um, but challenges, huge challenges in SMS and cannabis. Um, the, the, the cell phone carriers don't like that messaging. So um, a lot of the, the traditional kind of CRM platform, Salesforce, for example, um, you know, HubSpot, they, they won't allow you to send SMS messages. Um, if they'll even do business with you, Salesforce won't even do business with, with, with cannabis. So there's challenges there. So you've got these, these kind of startup companies that are you know, cannabis specific, cannabis focused. Um, and, um, you know, they, a lot of them are, are focused on one channel. They'll do SMS. They don't do email. They don't, don't do email very well. Um, and it's easy to, for, for some of these younger companies to dismiss email. Email is not for kids don't use email. That's, that's for older people. That's the, the, you don't need to focus on email. And I look at my metrics. They're, they're both critically important. There's a, yeah. a customer base that uses email that, that I've got to market to, and I, and I can do things differently. And, and, uh, your response rates are different. Your conversion rates are different, but they're still critically important. Um, you know, social is, is important. Um, you know, hopefully Sunday we'll be able to do paid social, which will make that even much more important, but as, as a kind of a brand communication consistency, that's, that's critically important. Um, you know, we've talked about programmatic display. Um, that's, that's got opportunities for both, you know, acquisition and retention. So, you know, you need a, you need a, a pie chart that has all these different components in there. And, and, uh, you know, if, if the, you get more bigger components, you don't have any dominant component, then you've got kind of a healthy marketing mix there. Um, so the challenge is they, they behave differently in different locations. Um, you know, Google AdWords for us, for example, doesn't work as well in the urban high density locations as it does in the rural locations. So the percent is smaller there for, for specific locations. Um, there's, there's places where, you know, uh, SNS just dominates and, and others where it's, it's less, um, it, it's a lower impact, smaller piece of that puzzle. So, you, you want to, as many pieces as you can. And, and my philosophy is let's, let's test and try everything. Let's, let's find ways yeah. to, to set up tests um, where we can, you know, economically, you know, put something out there and see if it works. And uh, if it does, we scale it. If it doesn't, we fail and, and drop it quickly before we spend too much money. Um, but uh, you, know, you gotta have your eyes open. Actually, I think what you guys brought it to us, one of the things that I love about you guys bringing new ideas to the table um, you know, who would have thought Bing was, would be showing a comeback. I mean, that yeah. thing was dead a couple of years ago and, uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, we actually found some, some pretty good return on ad spend and some good traffic coming from Bing. And interesting enough, it was, it was a different customer. It wasn't yep. the, the Google is the predominantly mobile customer. I mean, we see that's, that's another thing that people often overlook is the, the mobile dominance, you know, it, 85% of those digital transactions are on phone devices. So a lot of us work on these big, beautiful monitors, sometimes multiple monitors, and we're looking at big websites and, and create these big campaigns. But the, the, the challenge is to, to focus on that phone, the, the, the small screen where customers are actually interacting with you and making sure you understand what that is. Um, but Bing was interesting is that we were so focused on mobile and then Bing um, audience is, is primarily desktop. You know, yeah. Bing is a, is a desktop browser that comes as a default browser with a lot of new computers. And uh, I think Microsoft has done a good job of making it less obvious how to change your default browser, how to use a switch back to Chrome. So you're, you're seeing people that are, that are uh, you know, using that Microsoft browser that has Bing as a default search engine. So you know, things like that, you know, you may have thought it was dead, may have thought email was dead, but uh, you know what, let's, let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. And, uh, you know, it may become an important part of our mix. It may not, but uh, you know, if we, if we set up our tests correctly, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to get hung out to dry with a, with a huge expense that, that didn't pay off at all. Yeah, there, there's a lot more to your marketing mix than just billboards and weed mess, right? Like it's, it's, uh, it's very extensive. There's, there's a lot of channels that you can leverage. And there's a lot of differences as you, I mean, you kind of went through them all as like the, the desktop versus, versus mobile. And, you know, at least from, from my information, just as a whole for the entire country, you know, the, you can expect upwards of 70% of all your traffic's coming from Google and probably 70% in general of all traffic is going to be from mobile, um, be on mobile devices as well. And so you should really build your website mobile first, right? Make sure that people can find you, make sure you're discoverable, uh, that they can get to the shopping cart with as minimal clicks as possible. And then they can check out as fast as possible and then come to the store, uh, you know, have that all in the checkout process where they can just click directions and just make everything as easy as possible because eliminate as many roadblocks and, and challenges um, 
you know, that users may experience, you know, as they go through that whole process. Which is, that's universal. That's not cannabis specifics. That's, yeah. that, that's why I was alluding to earlier, what you said is, you know, that stuff, whether you're selling dog food or yeah. cannabis or t-shirts, you know, th- those things, making the user experience easy, uh, making sure people know exactly how to do it. There, there, there aren't extra clicks involved. Um, you got good communication, good directions and so forth. That's, that's universal. So you later in cannabis, there's a lot of people miss a lot of those basics um, that, that you get of the basics in and then, then you layer in the, the cannabis specific complexities makes it a, just a, a different, unique business. Yeah, we have a question from the audience from uh, Mark. How are you tracking where your traffic is coming from? Um, we've used Google Analytics using uh, you know UTM parameters. You know, uh, it's, it's good to have a partner that really knows how to set up Google Analytics correctly. Um, and, and you know, going through that change from from uh, Universal Analytics to GA four is, is is critical now. And we were fortunately media to help us get into that really early, so that we have historical data. Now, uh, I mean, that was the biggest challenge is we, we thought we were going to move to GA4 a year ago. And once we realized that it wasn't going to inherit the historical data from Universal Analytics, we, we couldn't really go right into it. I like to look at trends. I want to see my trends over time. And, and uh, so starting from scratch was, was, was going to be a tough pill to swallow. So we were able to, we, we set it up, let it run in the background and gave us a year of, of, of data. But uh, Google Analytics has been that, that, that primary tool for, for tracking, being that, you know, more than 80% is, is digital, that, that really works really well it's it's much more difficult to, to tie an attribution from offline advertising but um uh, based on the way you know cannabis in particular behaves in such a digital manner it's it's actually very effective yeah and really uh take that serious guys like google analytics is going to be a great you know tracking free tracking uh, platform for you and uh the traditional google analytics universal uh, universal analytics will be sunset july 1st of next year so i would recommend at least you know getting it set up in the next month so that you can have a year's worth of data that you can compare to. You know, really now is the time, right? Because uh, you're not gonna have uh, the opportunity to use the uh, traditional universal analytics. <clears throat> so just t- I would take that serious and then uh, make sure you implement that. And you know, we're happy to help, you know, feel free to, to message me or, or reach out to MediaGel and we'll, we'll uh, you know, help you install the GA4 tracking and make sure that you are tracking a lot of metrics and actually let's let's talk about that uh yeah. mike uh, what metrics will investors want to see and what analytics should you you know should a marketing uh, professional be tracking well just so that the, the question that was posed are you, you want to understand where your traffic has come from so you yep. know those utm parameters um you know it, I, the, the the thing you need to caution though and the way i like to look at it is is um you know the default is last touch uh, attribution which you, you need to have right that's that's what you have immediately um, but you need to look at the other attribution, you know, ass- assisted conversions and so forth. Uh, you know, you, you can get really complicated and build really complex attribution models. I've done that in the past. Um, and I've found that you, you can go down rabbit holes. You can make that very complex, but if you can, you can at least take a look at last touch and then multi-touch, and then you get an understanding. Okay. Where's what, my, my real kind of return is somewhere uh, amongst those. And there's, there's channels that are, that are going to be definitely over-indexed on, on last touch that you need to understand. Um, and, and, you know, if you can, you can kind of reallocate that, um, the, the, the challenge is what's the right time frame. I, I chose to do it monthly um, uh, and set kind of those targets. What's our target row as for Google ads, for example, it's based on kind of that monthly average. And let's, let's set the guys to be able to, to work on that the, the, on a daily basis using last touch, but knowing what the, what the true impact is. So, you know, understanding what your where your business coming from, what are the, the the channels, the activities, marketing activities that are driving business. That's that's critically important. Um, how it, how that is trending over time? What's growing? What's what's changing? What's not changing? Um, you want to know if something changes. You know, there's there's been changes with SEO, right? Um, you know, Google will make changes that surprise people, and all of a sudden they've got smaller percentage of traffic coming from SEO. You're looking at raw percentages. Something else will jump up. Yeah. Not necessarily meaning that's doing well, but it's it's taking uh, you know you, you, your piece of your pie have shifted. So understand there's some some exercise you have to do to really understand what's going on there. Um, the other piece that's critical is um, you know understanding your acquisition retention metrics. Um, you know obviously to to build a sustainable business, you've got to have a steady flow of of new customers, and you've got to be retaining a, a good portion of those people who who purchased from you in the past. So um, that those are dynamics that will change by location. Um, they're different in adult use markets versus medical markets. So understanding what the what, what the acceptable values are um, is, is challenging in a lot of ways. 
But uh, I mean, those those are, are critical. I mean, if you can tell your your investors, your board, hey, we're we're acquiring these customers, we're retaining at this rate, that that builds us kind of with a growth trajectory. And if we need to change that, there's there's instances where your your retention rate is low, and um, so your growth your growth is going to be slower unless you invest more marketing in that acquisition. Uh, so. And those those are those are the key. We can get in a lot of things, but understanding the the sources, how those are changing, understanding your acquisition retention metrics um, are are really the, the top of mind key that should be leading any kind of review that you're going to do. Yeah, know that cost per acquisition is key, and that's that's one of the main things that we track. Return on ad spend is another. Retention rate's huge, right? I mean, it costs a lot to get a new customer, so you want to make sure that they're yep. they're coming back. And, and I just want to define the difference between last click and multi click. Because uh, it's really important to distinguish the the difference between the, the both of them. Uh, last click means someone clicks on an ad and then purchases in that instance. Multi-click means they saw an ad or they clicked on an ad. Uh, they may have not purchased on that instance, but they that was part of the uh, the conversion kind of journey, the the customer journey. So you know, just want to make sure that we differentiate the, those two. <clears throat> Absolutely. And in, in reality, customers interact with lots of different channels. Yeah, you know, they they may interact with a text message and an email. Um, you know, yeah. various, various days they may interact with a business listing if they're looking for directions. Um, they may interact with a, a a paid ad if if you're at the top of the page. So, uh, it's it's very rarely you know linear one activity. Um, so just kind of understanding what are those dynamics and and uh, making sure that you can assign attribution. You understand where you you can make adjustments and shifts in those attribution is important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to answer this question from Jonathan here. Is, uh, is programmatic advertising missing from Apple products that do not allow third-party cookies? Um, so that's a great question. Uh, you know, at least on the media gel front, you know, we've, we're actually not using cookies. We're, the way that we're tying a, uh, a transaction to an impression would be through an identity graph, meaning someone sees an ad and then we know that they have their device ID one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, and we knew that user, we know that user went to the shopping cart and then purchased and then we match that way. So there's, you know, cookies are going away and Apple's done a great job about protecting people's privacy, uh, especially across, uh, you know, Facebook advertising. <laughs> like that's, there's no, um, it's no news there that Facebook, uh, I mean, dropped billions of dollars in dollars just because of Google, you know, because of uh, Apple's limiting, um, the cookies and same thing with Google. So Google's gonna be following suit there. So make sure that you, you know, really look at this before you, um, yeah, I guess look at the technology and, and how the conversions are being tracked before you really, you know, launch any marketing campaigns. <clears throat> any insights you want to add there, Mike? No, I think, you know, it's, it's going to be another challenge, right? It's uh, we've, we've seen it the last couple of years, you know, Google announced they're going to do it next year. So it's, it's, it's going to, you know, continue to be an issue. Um, you know, I, I've stopped getting nervous about when that cookie deadline is because it keeps getting kicked down the road. Um, so, you know, there's things that you can control, things that you can't control. But I, again, it comes back to, to test and learn. Um, you know, things will, things will change and need to accept that and, and uh, you know, find partners who have uh, either new, new ways to connect with a customer or workarounds or, or, or something and, you know, find a way to, to test it. Sometimes it works and, and sometimes it doesn't, but uh, uh, you, you need to, you, you surprise a lot of times the things that actually uh, work really well and, and things that you think are a sure bet. This is, there's no way this can lose just doesn't, doesn't produce the results that you want. So uh, just be open, open, open mind, try stuff, test stuff, you know, lean on your partners to make sure that you've got you know, economically acceptable tests, um, you know, timeframes are, are huge. Some of these things you need to let run for a couple months um, to, to see how they play out. You know, others, if it's a big expense, you want to kind of limit that time frame so that you, you know sooner rather than later if your uh, advertising is, is generating a return. But uh, being, being open-minded and flexible and, and willing to try things is vitally important. Again, when you're muted. Sorry, sorry. Uh, advertising tactics are, are going to. You know, some of the advertising tactics are going to, you know, have uh, just results right away. I mean, Google, Google ads, Bing ads. The typically, you can start to see results in a week or two. SEO, and that's going to be three to six months. Programmatic advertising can take. You know, you should give it a month to to learn and, and optimize. And you know, from months two to three, you start to see you know more. Uh, higher return on ad spend and you know some of the directories 
you know, those can take some time to really pick up some steam because you have to build up your reputation and reviews. And that's actually something we haven't talked about. Like how, Mike, as far as the, the reputation and, you know, uh, retention, like how important are reviews in this, in the entire strategy? Um, we, we think they're really important. It's, it's so difficult to measure that one. Um, that, you, that that's one you kind of have to trust. You, you, you know, just as a, as a user that, if you look up a store and it's got two-star review, that, that's you're going to pause, right? If it's got five-star review and there's you know a thousand reviews, there's there's some some uh, you know reputation that that you can learn from or lean on. Um, so we think it's important. It's hard to measure, you know, what's what's the impact of a hundred versus a thousand and so forth. But at the end of the day, you know, anything you can do to get your advocates, your your diehards, to give us you give you a good review there um, is is really helpful to your business. You see it in Conversion rate, people people more likely to click on that. You see it in, in Google, you know, prioritizing um, you know sites and the business listings that have better reviews, have more reviews, have have higher reviews. So it's it's important. Um, you know, there, there's lots of different. You know, you got Google, you got Yelp, you've got some, some all these places. Leafly, we mess where, where people can review you, and uh, you know, you you want to be able to give your your customers the ability to review at the at the channel that they that they you know are, are comfortable using. So important, hard to measure, but uh, I believe it's a, it's a, it's very important to have that as part of your mix. I, I know it definitely makes an impact on your local SEO, local SEO results, especially your Google My Business listing. So I mean, I always, I always, you know, share with clients. It's like, hey, this is the this doesn't cost you anything. All you need is either your bud tenders or some automation post visit through your SMS platform or email platform. And it's not going to cost you anything. It's going to make a massive impact with your customers and building that trust. And, and with Google, it's the authority as well. So it, uh, it pays for itself uh, majorly, like, at least from my experience. Like we've had, um, we had some clients uh, in rural areas and they, you know, I told them like, hey, the first milestone should be 100 reviews on Google, second milestone 300. And then after that, as far as you can get to a thousand and you know, whether it's a retail location or a delivery service, like those will immediately like jump, jump you to the front. And, and there's some other factors that come into play with SEO, like your, the authority, your domain name and the way that your SEO, your, their website is optimized and your schema and all these different, these other factors, but reviews are going to support in a major way and make sure you're at least at a 4.7 or higher. That's my recommendation. Uh, and at least get to that 300 reviews as a starting point. And, and important here, I, I, I want to assume that people know this, but make sure they're genuine. Don't go out and buy reviews, pay for, pay for reviews. Um, you know, I was in uh, Las Vegas recently and, and you know, looking at dispensaries and saw, you know, good dispensaries had a couple hundred reviews. And then there was one that had, I think it was 13,000 reviews. It, it was just astronomically different. Um, and so I'm like, wait, we got to go check this out. What are they, they're doing something fabulous there and we went to the dispensary it was it was a run-of-the-mill if not below average dispensary not, nothing fancy no. um so you know once we dug in we're like okay yeah these re reviews are not not real and one customers will will discover that eventually yeah. and and that's not a good reputation and, and, and two you you get penalized I mean, the last thing you want is for google to identify hey this is a not an on the business on the up and up we're not going to show them at all that that's really going to hurt your business so um, don't don't be kind of lured into some of those attractive offers to give you a, a bunch of, of additional reviews online. Yeah, I mean, Google's more sophisticated than I mean probably any of the other companies uh, in the world. I mean, they they know your IP address, they know um, your how many reviews you're posting across different platforms. They know if you're an actual person or a bot. Like, oh, it's pretty simple to to distinguish the two, and, and it's. You can tell when it's written uh, genuinely versus, uh, you know, versus just kind of spam. And uh, don't pay people or incentivize people for reviews. That's a that's a no no. <laughs> and I know that. I mean, you wear a lot of hats, Mike. And I, we've worked together for a long time, and we've always been like flexible with the marketing campaigns. Like, what key what key milestones, both positive and negative, should you be looking at? You know, before triggering triggering a major pivot in the overall marketing strategy. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> Just being the, the, I mean, the way stores behave differently based on location. And we talked about urban and, and rural, 
um, competition is so key. Yeah. You know, if you're in a market where you, it's you and two other competitors in a 20 mile range, you're, you're going to do really well. If you're in an urban location where you've got, you know, 15 different dispensaries, um, you know, it, it's challenging. So, so really understanding what's your market, uh, understanding what's working, what's not working. I mean, we found instances where you got a dense urban market, um, not good accessibility, lots of competition, and realized that it didn't matter how many text messages or emails we were going to send out or billboards we were going to buy. Um, we needed to go compete on price. Um, so we need to have better prices, better promotions than, than anybody else around. So I mean, that's, that's a that's a tactic that can drive revenue. That's you have to be in, in sync with your your finance people. They're understanding. Okay, we're we're changing the margin structure. We're changing the the a lot of the the, the metrics are going to change if we go that that route. Um, and let's make sure that we're on the same page and we're we're comfortable with with what that change will mean. And, and, and maybe sometimes where it makes complete sense. There's other times where it's like, you know what, this is this is all this location is going to do. Let's let's not spend too much on there. You it could be in situations where you know you're in a medical market and um, you know it's 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 going to be tough. But if it becomes adult use in, in any time in the next you know, short time period, uh, you should see a pop and those, those metrics will change. So let's be patient and wait for that to happen um, and, and then you know, reassess uh, when it happens. So there's, you know, there could be different you know, trigger points um, along the way. I think if you're really kind of on top of your metrics and you've got you know, this, this pie of multiple channels and you've got these continuous tests, you, you, you can be constantly adjusting and improving um, and, and not have to, to take that, that time out and completely reassess everything that's going on. That's, that's really not a good situation to let yourself get into. A hundred percent. And just make sure that, uh, yeah, you're, you can make changes quick and that you're getting buy-in from, from everyone. Right. And making sure that everyone's aware of uh, yep. the differences by, by location. Uh, well, Mike, we only have a few more minutes left and audience. Yeah. If you have any more questions, send them my way. Um, before we wrap up here, but is there anything else that you'd like to share, Mike, before we um, part ways and any other topics or strategies that you'd like to share with our audience? I think we've covered a lot. You know, obviously, we've spent most of the time today talking about retail um, market yeah. and how do you drive people to a dispensary. Um, you know, when you put your other hat on, your, your product marketing, right? Most yeah. of us are vertically integrated and, and we've got retail, but then we have products and brands that we're selling through our own dispensaries and through other dispensaries there's a whole nother kind of thought process and, and, and way to go about. A lot of times you don't have the direct connection to revenue like, like we do in, on the retail side. So you got to think about things different. I mean, it's probably a whole nother webinar or two or three to, to dig into. So um, just keep that in mind as well. You, you just be, be flexible, understand. Uh, I mean, that, that's the critical uh, uh, jump point. You need to understand, are we talking about retail and direct response or are we talking about brand and, and, and third-party distribution? Um, that will change the way you think about a lot of these things. But um, Again, when you when you back up the the, the core of you know you're connecting with customers, um, you know you want to have all kinds of different ways to connect with customers. There's some of a lot of those fundamentals are the same as long as you're you, you've got the distinction between the actual execution points. Hundred percent, and you know, thank you again, Mike, for for sharing all your insights. It's you know, it's been a pleasure to work with you the last few years and really be on the on the forefront of anything marketing and cannabis. It's uh, you definitely uh, keep each other on, <laughs> keep me on my toes and uh, and vice versa. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think we, we think alike in that, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunities. There, there's, yeah. there's, I, I tell my team on a regular basis, there's, there's more good ideas than any one of us, or even as a team, we can execute on any day, week, or, or month. So, you know, prioritizing those, figuring out which ones make sense and, and, and continue that funnel of, of good ideas is, is, is vitally important. And I, I see that with a lot of things that you guys cover at Media Jail. You know, you'll be, we'll challenge you with new ideas and then you'll challenge us with new ideas. So, you know, finding, finding partners like that really helps business agreed and it keeps it fun right it gets me uh gets me excited to wake up in the morning and uh chat with you and like all right here's where we're gonna find some more gold today <laughs> we don't always find gold you know sometimes sometimes it's cold but as long as we we understand that that's a that's a risk um and, and we can adjust and and keep going and try something different um that's what keeps us going yeah agreed well thank you again everyone for logging in today and i i put uh mike Bibby's linkedin url in the and the Zoom chat. So you know, be sure to check them out and, and message them directly um, if you want to want to work with them or just run ideas by them. So um, you know, just to recap as well, Media Gel here. You know, we are focusing on driving that uh, new customers, customer acquisition, customer retention through uh, programmatic display advertising, through SEO, and through 
paid search. So that's Google ads, Bing ads, and there's more coming down the line. So keep a, keep an eye out for everything that we're doing and be sure to subscribe to our content and we'll catch up with you next week. Take care. Thanks, Guillermo. See ya.